Hello, hello, peace lovers and peacemakers. This is Sarah Jamshidi. Welcome to Peace Mindedly, a podcast show featuring peaceful bridge makers. So if you are listening to our show, if you are watching our show on social media, we are in many, many channels on social media, basically in four channels on Facebook, two channels on YouTube and on Twitter and on LinkedIn. So you know that every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Standard Time, we come live to talk about peace. We are talking about peace. We are talking about kindness and we are talking about compassion. The main reason, because we are around the world and in the U.S. are dealing with a situation like a war-like situation. I know war because I was a war correspondent and I've been dealing with revolution and war and so forth. So I know that how war-like situation really looks like. So in the U.S. alone, uh, during the last few months, we have had 7.4 million people infected with coronavirus. And of those, we had 210,000 casualties. Just think about that. People are are dying. People are dying around the world. We have 35.3 million people infected by the virus. And of those, just recent news uh, from WHO World health organization, we surpassed 1 million casualties. So we are talking about people who are dying. We are talking about loved ones who are dying. And we are talking about, honestly, like a war-like situation. And of those, not only the casualty really matters at the moment, but also the social and political and economic implications. Of the economic implications, so women are suffering the most. I think I reported last time that 60% of the layoffs, I mean, not unemployment, layoffs during the first few weeks of pandemic uh, geared towards women. And then right now, I mean, if you are me, if you are Martin and many of the women who are watching our show, we are, I'm doing two full-time jobs, homeschooling, lots and lots and lots of cooking. And it's just uh, mind-blowing of how, how much work I've been doing. And then with that comes stress. When the stress is high, how to take care of that and, and how to deal with that. I'm not saying that men are not dealing with the, with the stress issue. They do. And the implication of warlike situation that we are dealing with is also great for men. But since our show means 67% of our audience are women and women are watching the show. So I decided that we are going to focus on women and honestly, how to, Manage stress is, I believe, I mean, I believe uh, through friendship and through conversation and through connections. And for that, we have two amazing people who are going to talk with us about the the exact same matter. Before we go to the actual interview and bringing my guests to our online studio, I just want to mention that everything here is happening online. So my guests are in their houses. For this particular interview, when I'm talking with my guests and in transition, there is a background noise that I wasn't able to take care of it when I was editing this program. So it's just a few seconds happens during the transition. I want you to 
just bear with me for a few seconds until the noise goes away so here with me i have deborah olson deborah is a licensed professional counselor she specializes on women's health uh, women's emotional health deborah has provided counseling services for more than two decades to women and men in greater houston area she is the author of the healing power of girlfriends how to create your best life through female connections welcome welcome deborah thank you so much sarah it's such an honor to be here with you today honor is mine thank you so much and here i have carmen renee berry the ceo of berry powell press carmen is the new york times best-selling author and a prolific writer she co-authored, authored, and engaged in more than 40 books, and she is the author of best-selling book, Girlfriends, Invisible Bonds, Enduring Ties. Welcome, welcome, Carmen. Thank you so much to include me. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Okay, ladies, uh, as I explained in the introduction, women are suffering and we, we have just taken more responsibility, especially cooking <laughs> during the pandemic. So I, I would like to know in your opinion, so let's say I am stressed out and I come to you and say, oh, Deborah, I mean, how do I deal with this? What is this issue? Help me out. But before going to exactly as a girlfriend, I really want us to establish a ground rule of really understanding who is friend, who is friend, and how we define friendship. So, Deborah, I'm going to go with you and then to, to Carmen. Sure. So, in my book, I actually do define friendship. And one of the ways I came to having very appropriate definitions for friendship is when I was writing the book, I developed a questionnaire that I circulated throughout the United States from coast to coast. I got those back, almost 200 of them. And they were from women, all different age groups. I did a demographics question, 20 something to 60 plus, And they checked the box of where they fit in that demographics uh, age group. And they answered the questions that you just posed. What are your expectations for friendship? What is being a friend? What is that like? What do you need in a friendship? I got great answers back. They were powerful, but I also saw lots of trends, trends that women across the lifespan want the same things. We're looking for honesty. We're looking for people we can trust. We're looking for people that have our back when the going gets tough. We're looking for people that want to basically do life with us. They want to walk through not only the fun times, but the trials and tribulations that we know come to us at one point or another. So I got lots of those back. And I really have to say that we as women, no matter what part of the country or the world we live in, what age group we are, we want the same things in a friendship. So friendship, but not every relationship is friendship. So there is a process taking place from a relationship to a friendship. So how, how do we go through this process, Carmen? Well, I think we meet people and they are initially acquaintances or you're, you're a coworker, they may attend your church or they may be a neighbor. And 
then you sort of start to sift through whether or not this person really can be trustworthy or not. How much can you really show your real self to them? And I think as you get to know them and you talk, you test that out. Those women that get you, some women will get you just right off the bat. Others, it takes time. It takes time. But I think it's a, it's a maturing process where you're almost doing an interview. And then you find out, yeah, I can trust this woman with who I really am and not what I'm just trying to present to the world. So I think you are like me. I mean, I have a friend to go to movie with. I have a friend to watch a movie or I have a friend to uh, go for walking. But I have, Deborah is explaining in her book that there are just different, different levels of friendship. But I'm thinking, so what makes and what is the process of going through friendship to girlfriend? You mentioned Carmen Trust and and also being a reliable person and so forth. But I'm I'm guessing so from relationship to friendship and then to girlfriend. How do we get there? Yes, Deborah. Just real quick, in my book, I have this diagram included, and this is a friendship framework that I designed, which really highlights exactly the question that you're asking, Sarah, and that is the different levels of friendship from the outer circle, which is acquaintances, all the way to the BFF, which is the inner core. And there are different levels of friendship that go all the way to the BFF. And what I did is I thought about what characteristics and attributes define each of those levels of friendship, because we start out in the acquaintance level, that's when we're first getting to know somebody. And it's casual and it's not very deep and it's just sort of a casual, hi, how are you? And we decide if we have something in common or not with them. And then as time progresses, we go through a deepening process as that person becomes not an acquaintance or a casual friend anymore, but a BFF. And in my book, I list all of those attributes for each of the levels of the friendship. And when the BFF circle happens, and we only have a small, maybe five or six people, right, that fit in that very tiny circle, they know us from the inside out. They know where our insecurities are, where we're vulnerable. We've been raw with them. We've been really raw. And they become Yaya friend, huh? Yes, exactly. Yeah. I have some yaya friends, and they're yes. my besties. Yes, excellent, excellent, uh, Carmen. So, why do you think that we, as women, probably really want or or desire friends and and be acquaintances or get close to other women? We're not trying to sell ourselves in the same way we would if you were selling yourself to a romantic relationship or to a position. But I want to just share a story with you because I think I have a, an experience that is extreme, but it's really, I think it's, it's universal. Uh, I had a friend, I have a friend, and her name's Carolyn. And we, we were just uh, neighbors. We were casual friends. We'd go work out sometimes together and that kind of thing. But then I went to Nepal to adopt a child and it was only supposed to take two months and it took two years. 
I was over there and Carolyn said, I'll come over and visit you for a couple of weeks. Well, she came over and she stayed eight months and she got so bonded to my daughter and we became the best of friends. And even now she is part of my family. I'm part of her family. And I needed somebody to rely on in a really serious situation. Now you don't have to go to Nepal to find that kind of a friend. But when you need somebody, if you're diagnosed with cancer, if you're going through a divorce, uh, we're going through COVID together, you need to be able to trust somebody to genuinely be there. And that is our, our deepest heart. We want to trust. We want to rely on other women. So here's what I want to make sure that we are getting across. My dad back in Tehran, he has like, he called dear D-E-E. D-E-E-R, dear friends. And then they are a group of probably eight, nine gentlemen and their families. I mean, I'm talking about probably 52, 56 people. And they are just families, grand granddaughters, daughters, and so forth. And they're just so close. And when we are talking about friendship, we are not excluding men. I just want to make sure that this is, we are not, but, but, but we are saying that, and they do have this skill to create friendship, of course, but we are talking about, so men probably, uh, women are probably are more skilled, right? But I wanted to see what was the story behind Carmen why you decided uh, you wanted to write a book about girlfriends and about bonding and creating yeah creating bond and enduring ties so what was the story behind writing the book well it's it's a very personal story um, when I was a, a little girl I was physically abused by a woman caretaker and I didn't remember it I blocked it out and so it wasn't until I was older that I realized I didn't trust women. I was in therapy. I went through a process of understanding it and accepting that I was safe with women. And that was the time I decided I wanted to write a book on how important women friendships can be. Women can be very dangerous. They can be uh, catty. They can be deceitful. So it isn't that like women are good and men are bad or something like that. We really have to be discerning on which women we allow in our lives. But I came to a point where I was ready to release my fear of women. And that was when my girlfriend and I decided to go ahead and write our book. And we also interviewed uh, about 100 girlfriends and we pulled their stories together. And that was the basis of our book. Deborah, what happened that you decided I want to write a book yes. about this healing power? Yes. So again, a personal story for me. I have been blessed across my adult life with wonderful, wonderful girlfriends. And I've moved in different states. We've moved around due to my husband's career changes. And so I have acquired wonderful girlfriends that as I move to different states, I keep those friendships and then go on to make new friends. And one day, a couple years back, I was on a beach in Mexico with some dear friends of ours. We were there as couples, and she was one of my longtime friends from Milwaukee. I've been living in Texas since 1992, so we've been in different states for many, many years. And she and I were chatting away on the beach, having the greatest time catching up because we don't see each other much. And her husband was observing this. And he said, 
my goodness, you girls, you ladies, you just pick up where you left off, even though it's been five years or whatever. He said, you've kept your friendship alive and vibrant all these years. What would you say you attribute that to? And we looked at each other, my friend Kathy and I, and we said, well, giving up our friendship because I moved to Texas and she was in Wisconsin was never an option. We knew that we had to be intentional with that friendship. We were going to honor it and we were going to work towards it. So we were busy moms raising little ones, but we decided it was that important. So we would send letters to each other through snail mail. We would call on the landlines. Those were before the days of cell phones. We made it a priority. And so out of that, he said, you need to put this in a book. You have a formula. You have a very special recipe. You need to put that in a book. And Deborah, so I did. What is the chemistry between you and Kathy that kept this, this relationship and friendship going? Well, she is one of my yayas that you talked about a little bit ago. There's four of us yayas, and we're all from the Milwaukee days. Kathy and I bonded many years ago, and I think a lot of what's special about our relationship is how it started. We both moved to Wisconsin from other states for our husband's careers, and we didn't know a soul. I had a little nine-month-old baby. She was pregnant with their first baby, do any day. and in that time, when both of us were young moms, not really knowing anybody in Milwaukee, not having family connections, nothing, we gravitated towards each other very quickly because we saw in each other a special kinship, a special friendship that went very fast. We stayed very much in touch during those years raising our little ones. And that connection that came out of that as we both had struggles as moms do. Young moms have a lot of challenges. We were in that friendship together, surviving those challenges with only each other. We didn't have a mom in town. We didn't have any support. And so that friendship cemented and bonded for life. Excellent. And my moving to Texas didn't alter it at all. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So very quick housekeeping notice. So here, when, I, what, when I'm talking with you, there is a, a steady noise in the background. So there is a chance that there, a, a tab is open on your computer and is creating this. Just do, do, not, do not close this <laughs> tab. But if you could please close any other tabs so then we have a better sound quality. So stay put. I'm going to come back. Back, but don't close this tab. Please stay put. You are watching to Peace Mindedly, a podcast show featuring peaceful bridge makers. We are live streaming our show on many social media channels. And also the same conversation goes live um, on Thursdays, usually after we edit and we mix and we include songs and all of those on many uh, podcast channels. We are on Google Play, iTunes, iHeartRadio radio, many, many, Spotify, just name it. So it's very easy to find us. It's very easy to find this conversation. For this season, we are featuring our authors and our guests on every Tuesday at 12 noon. For next episode, I am talking with Leila Rafi. Leila is the author of Spring. Spring is a novel about Egypt's revolution. And when I was talking about war and warlike situation, I know revolution, I know Iran revolution and there, there are lots of similarities between Iran revolution and Egypt revolution.
you know, talking about girlfriends to talking about war and another revolution. It should be interesting. So I think we are just trying to balance our programs with something interesting and tangible and warming your heart and with something sometimes serious. Right, right after that, we are talking with three authors, their book called Compassionate Conversation, How to Speak and Listen from the Heart. So these three authors, Diane Mushaw Hamilton is a Zen teacher and an award-winning mediator. Gabrielle Wilson is a leadership coach and peace builder, and Kimberly Lowe is an author, coach, and peace specialist. So basically, they manage workshops, they go to war zones, and they just are in contact in people who are dealing with chaos and conflicts in war zone areas sometimes. And they use their skills of compassionate listening to address some of the difficult issues that it's happening within those communities. So we are uh, going to talk about that. And these are about war zone and warlike situation. But for this hour, we are we are talking about something much heartwarming, I would say. And that is about friendship and about girlfriends. And for that, we have two amazing guests. Deborah Olson is the counselor and women emotional health specialist and speaker on female connections. Her book, The Healing Power of Girlfriends, How to Create Your Best Life Through Female Connection is out and you can buy that. Actually, you can buy Deborah's book through our website, goldtoon.com. And if you would like to support our peace journalism. So Carmen Renee Berry is the New York Times bestselling author creator of prolific author writing system and uh, she has authored and co-authored more than 40 books her book girlfriend invisible bonds enduring ties okay the question have you ever failed in in a relationship in a friendship in a girl girl friendship and what did you learn and how did you grow who would like to go first <laughs> who wants to acknowledge they failed well i <laughs> I will. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, and Deborah was just making a really interesting point, which is we often bond with women when we have a point of need in common. She was a young mother. Uh, she didn't have a support system. She met a woman who was about ready to become a mother, and they bonded over that experience. Now, they could have drifted apart. And a lot of times we do do that. We have a moment, uh, a period of time when we bond to someone and then we move on. But there are some girlfriends that you keep forever and you really do fight for those relationships to work and you, you work through the very difficult times. I would say that I'm not going to name names, but there have been relationships that did not make the turn. Um, when my needs would have changed, my situation changed. I, I, my example is, is when I adopted my little girl, there were friends of mine who didn't uh, support my decision. Oddly enough, they did not think as a single woman I should adopt. And so in those situations, I moved on and those relationships did not succeed, if you want to call it. And it was a failure. However, during the period of time when we were bonded, the, those relationships were good. So how about you, Deborah? Is there any time that you felt, oh, my God, I failed? Yes, I would say, and I don't really use the word 
you know, failed um, for friendships that don't move on and make that turn. I like to, I actually address this very concept in my book because as I was thinking about what chapters to include and what topics, one of the things my female clients have shared with me over the years is the guilt that they carry with them for friendships that haven't made that turn, the friendships that haven't lasted. And they carry this burden, heavy burden, for those friendships feeling that I did something wrong, I said something wrong, what was it that I woulda, coulda, shoulda differently? And in talking with them, what we usually come to understand is that, and I say this in my book, some friendships are for a reason or a season. They're not meant to be forever. They come into your life to play a specific role in that chapter that you're in. And we just need to let those go and celebrate those for the part they played in our life story and not carry this burden of guilt that we still don't have that friendship. So that's kind of how I frame that. And I don't look at it like a failure at all. It just wasn't meant to be for a lifetime. Yes, very, very good point. Very good point. But here's the thing. There are times when the friendship becomes, um, we we become stuck or we become, the relationship becomes um, like not moving forward or there are things that we need to take care until we can move forward or there are some some of the obstacles that we have to address. So in this kind of situations, what is your advice for people who really want to keep the relationship because they see value, they see treasure, they want to keep the relationship and to just move it to a more closer closer relationship. So what is your advice when you think we are stuck in our in our friendship? So Deborah, I'm going to start with you. Sure. So what I would say to that is if it's a really important friendship to you that you value and you want to keep, I always say communication is the best tactic. So break it down with her over lunch or whatever and say, hey, I've been feeling that we're sort of drifting apart or if it's a boundary concern, sometimes people have boundary concerns in a friendship they feel taken advantage of. And if the friendship is important enough to address it, there's a way you can, without attacking her, just break it down with her and say, I feel that right now things are not working out in this particular area of our friendship. Can we talk about that? Because the friendship's really important to me and I'd like to move past this and sort of fix it. And most people, if they want that friendship with you, they're going to be all about it and say, yes, absolutely. I didn't know you felt that way. Or yes, I can do this differently so that it's not making you feel put upon and you don't think it's a boundary issue anymore. There's all different ways of sorting through that, but communication directly, honestly, if it's a good friendship, it will survive that discussion. Excellent. And what is your advice, Carmen, about when the friendship is not going exactly this the, it should be? Well, I'd like to agree with what Deborah said and then also just point out that timing is really important. I have a friend that is still in my very inner circle. And there was a time a few years ago where I was going through something difficult and she just said something that really hurt my feelings. It was very, very, very hurtful. And I realized that if I had reacted right then, I could would have been angry and I would have lashed out at her. 
So I decided that I, I loved her enough as a friend that I would wait until I was calmed down. And several months later, when I was in a much better place, I sat down with her and I said, you know, you said something that really hurt my feelings. And, and I need to talk to you about this. And she was stunned. She was like, oh my gosh, I, I never meant it to come out that way. And we were able to work that through. I think sometimes timing is really important in how you, when you discuss it, when you've just been hurt or you're just upset, that might not be the best time, but wait if it's really an important relationship and, and be able to express, express yourself calmly. Excellent. Yes, yes, I true. I mean, absolutely agree with you. So I want I would like to know what's happening in your life right now. I mean, I know Carmen, you started a new company and you're dealing with a new publication and Deborah, I would love to just know what's what's happening in your life. I'm going to talk, uh, start with you, Carmen. Well, I've been writing books for a long time. And I have been ghostwriting books. But I'm at a point in my life where I really want to launch other authors and the 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 opportunity to be on this podcast is so exciting to me because we only publish books that contribute to peace we want solutions if we have fiction we it isn't just entertainment we want messages of hope if you've got a memoir we want to know how you've overcome and so uh my new publishing house barry powell press is really for giving a voice to authors and we give a full service from beginning to end and support you through the process so that you're not confused so just to mm -hmm. say my my time in life is to launch other authors and help them achieve the success that i have so what is the most difficult or important part of the writing process in your opinion the most important writing process is to know that your first draft is not something you should publish. Many first-time authors, myself included, we want to write what we feel and then we want to publish it because we want to get it out there. And if you work with a professional coach um, or with somebody who can edit your material, listen to them and help. let them help you create a book that's specifically for your readers uh, benefit. And don't write, don't publish your first draft, publish a draft that you've written for the needs of your readers, because people buy books, because they solve a problem. So that would be my best piece of advice. Excellent, excellent. And for you, Deborah, what is the what's happening in your life right now? And when you were writing uh, the book? So what was the most difficult or challenging part for you? In writing the book? Mm -hmm. For me, I had so much that I wanted to share in the book and I just, I just wrote and I just absolutely just let it go and just wrote. And then I had to come back with my editor and her name is Candace Johnson. She lives in Portland. I highly recommend her. And I worked with Candace to really hone my writing skills and also bring my message a little tighter. I tend to have kind of a, a way of writing that I go on and on and, and I really needed to hone that down. So part of what Candace helped me do was become a better writer as we really took my first draft and really got it to a point of 
was more professional. It was more succinct. It had a clearer message. It wasn't caught up in a bunch of words anymore. And so thanks to Candace, I really was so proud of the manuscript that I then had. And then she sent it off for more editing in addition. So it went through quite a few edits. And thankfully, I'm very happy for that because I think the final product that you get is a much better more professional product right Carmen? yes absolutely <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah and then i read the book and the book is written in a in a manner that you easily understand and also at the end of every chapter there are questions of mm -hmm. asking of how your relationship and your your friendship is really uh, taking place or shaping or reframing so so i do recommend the book but here is uh, my question so you are writing your professional in the field of writing and in the field of friendship and and girlfriends but is there any any danger of having a bad friend in your life is there any danger I wonder. The danger of having a bad friend would be somebody who I would say becomes like a backstabber, a person that becomes toxic. And that's the word that I use in my book is the word toxic because we've all been in a friendship now and then, hopefully not too many, where they have qualified as a toxic friend. And those people don't have our best interest at heart. Sometimes it takes us a while to figure out that that person is a toxic friend, we don't get it right away. But if there's somebody who's really narcissistic, they are not happy when good things happen to you, they can't share your joy, they become envious. They also behind your back, they're talking against you. And they're competitive with you all the time, they want to be one up on you. Those are all qualities of a toxic friend. And we need to let those go. I really have worked with a lot of women in my practice through the years that were in toxic friendships and they didn't know how to go about getting out of those and what they should do. And in talking with them, we made a plan of how to step away from those with your dignity intact. It's okay to say, you know, that friendship is just not for me. It's not making me feel good. It's not reciprocal back and forth. We're not sharing a bond and a love. It's a lot of work and it doesn't feel good. I always say, trust your gut. If it doesn't feel good, let it go. Carmen, is there is there any danger of having a not very nice friend? Yes, and I would imagine that Deborah has would back me up on this, but um, I think if you are in therapy or you are a person that is interested in personal growth, you can actually outgrow a friend. You have different focus. You have a different focus, you have a different intention. If you are in the process of, of healing back wounds that you've had in the past, or you're growing as a person, your friend may not want to do that. Your friend may not want to deal with anything that has to do with the past or growing. And you just may come to a point where you say, um, I've outgrown this relationship. You wouldn't necessarily say that to them, but you can you can let that relationship go without a bad feeling about it and but do it kindly and and move on with your life yes so here is the, an assumption i have and i'm just gonna if um, may uh, sound silly but i'm just gonna share it with you and and seek your opinion so 
in back in Iran, I, I'm very familiar. I, I speak uh, three languages, very familiar with Arabic, Turkish, Farsi, and I'm familiar with Middle East and with the culture, Arab culture, Turkish culture, and uh, Persian culture. So at least in, in Iran, I had friends and something happening in our friendship, which was very unique. So we became very close and we shared secrets. And it was an instant bond between us. I mean, if uh, as 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 Carmen mentioned and Deborah also that you go with your gut gut sense, and if you think that okay, the chemical is right, everything is within within the space that it should be, so then you become close, and then the bond was happening immediately. And then the first thing that we did was sharing some of the secrets. Right here in the United States, my experience is different. So my experience is maybe I am I speak a different language. I mean, I, I'm not native or I'm not white. I mean, from the privileged white or whatever reason. But here it's like first there is a distance. So if someone wants to be friend with me, there is just lots of check, lots, lots of tests. <laughs> and after after I pass in many of those tests, we become friend. But there is always I, I, I don't feel that kind of closeness that I felt back in my home country. And I'm thinking, is it me or is it the culture or am I just have an assumption that I don't understand? So what is what is your your idea? Yeah, Carmen, let's, let's Deborah. go with Deborah. Deborah, let's go with Deborah. OK, sure, let's sure. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, well, I guess, you know, it's hard to say because um, I really look at friendships as unique. And it sounds like with those ladies that you were mentioning back in your country, you had a real kinship with them. You shared a bond with them that probably, I'm guessing, went pretty fast. And you were obviously comfortable to share secrets and things like that. And so it was a really solid bond that you had. And I think that, yes, you mentioned culture. I think culture does play a part in that. I think it enhances and it maybe even solidifies that bond that we feel because we are from the same culture. And so I've worked with all different multicultural clients through the years. And we've talked about what part that culture plays. It definitely plays a part. Um, we tend to just kind of a human quality that we have, we tend to be drawn towards people oftentimes that are similar to us. So that's why you'll see people that work together become beyond just the work environment. They become good friends outside of work. They share that similar work experience that solidifies that relationship. And so being similar, whether it's culturally or professionally, it plays a huge part in solidifying that bond and making that friendship grow fast. Absolutely. So we are in this space of Black Lives Matter. And then we are more conscious than ever about white privilege, 
and about responsibility that comes with the white privilege, right? So I want to know uh, what is your advice at least for uh, the kind of experience that I just shared. So let's say I am from a different culture, different background, different language, and then I want, I am in a circle of white privileged uh, women. Right. So what do you think that the, the other group needs to do to make me feel part of the group, to make me feel part of the equation? Carmen, I'm going to go with you. Yes, <laughs> I can't defer that now. Um, I do want to say that I have uh, very close. I have probably two or three very close friends that are Nepalese because I lived there for two years. But it is it takes a different kind of work. but. As a woman who is white and who has grown up with white privilege, I think the most significant thing I can do is to listen to another woman's story, especially if she comes from a different cultural background, she's a different age. You can be white and that different age and they're going through a completely different world than I am. But we have to make room for other people's stories, especially if they are not like our own and they challenge us. If I have to change my story to make room for you, that takes work on my part. And I think that's what it takes for us to really get past the racial divides, the uh, blind spots we have in our own biases. We need to listen and make room for other people's stories. And also take part on my side as well, because it's it's an issue. I mean, I'm a part of a, a chapter, a leader of Sisterhood of Salam Shalom, so Muslim and Jewish women. And one of the discussion that we had, we have is that also Muslims needs to be equally engaged if they want to be included in the larger larger community. So I think it's both ways. I mean, not only the the white privilege, but also the other races. So then they can, they can, I mean, it's the beauty of the United States, honestly, and I do not believe, uh, we do have, we do have uh, diversity, but not as much as, and as not as beautiful as in this uh, country. But, um, but Deborah, so uh, at least what is your take? So, okay, uh, Carmen mentioned some something about uh, it takes a different toll of, uh, you know, engagement and also feeling to get included. But what is your advice for probably mainstream who deals, uh, who has, you know, a person like me in their community? What should we do to feel connected? One of the things I'll just say right away is that I feel very blessed living in Houston, Texas. We are now the most diverse city in the United States. And we have almost 7 million people in our entire metropolitan area. It's a very sprawling city, it takes an hour to get from one side to the other. And I am so proud of the fact that my hometown, Houston, Texas, is now the most diverse city on, in the United States. And I just think that's so cool. What I think is important when it comes to diversity is to never presuppose you know what it's like for another person that's in a different category in terms of ethnicity or socioeconomic status. Never assume you know what it's like to walk in their shoes if you have never had anything like that in your past. Um, if, if you're born into white privilege, then 
it's important to put that aside and not be judgmental and try and understand what it's like for somebody that was born into a family that didn't have much means. So I like to say not to be judgmental, but to be accepting. And with that acceptance, I think comes a very powerful thing, which is called love. Absolutely. I am a person that if I had to say, what is the one most important ingredient in this country right now that we need to really focus on? It's to love one another and come together through love. That can be so powerful to accept each other, to meet each other where we are, not be judgmental, and to validate each other to accept the fact that somebody's had a really tough time, validate that, you know, talk to them about that. Say, what's that been like for you? That has to have been so hard, but let's be friends. I have friends from all over the globe. I'm very lucky in that. I belong to a group here and we have people from Europe. We have people from South America. We have people from Mexico. And I love that because as an international person in terms of the way I process things and think about it. I think we are so much better and we're so much more powerful if we can all learn from each other and be together as one big globe rather than pockets of this group or pockets of that group. So Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So honestly, the theme of this program is compassion. And this is, in my opinion, I mean, going through revolution and war and lots of chaos is the only answer to to war and, and chaotic, chaotic um, events because love and compassion is what we, we really need. So please stay put with me. You are watching to Peace Mindedly, a podcast show featuring peaceful bridge makers. And as we talking um, with our guests, the theme of this show is kindness, love, compassion, and peace, and especially peace because I'm from Middle East and we know that how much we really need peace in that part of the world. For this hour, we are talking with Deborah Olson and Carmen Renee Berry, authors of Girlfriends books. They are experts of Girlfriends. So Deborah's book, The Healing Power of Girlfriends, How to Create Your Best Life Through Female Connections. And Carmen's has thousands, I mean, not thousands, but many, 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 many books. One of them, Girlfriends, Invisible Bonds, Enduring Ties. You can find these two books on goldtoon.com. So with the group of international foreign correspondents, we cover stories that matters, everything that matters to our community, our community of women who are bridging gaps between nations, cultures, and ideas. So goldtoon.com and Peace Mindedly is a podcast under Goldtoon. So if you buy your, your book through our website, you are supporting our peace journey initiative. At the end of every program, I ask my guests to share a statement, a prayer, something meaningful about peace, about kindness and compassion. And for that matter, I'm going to go with Carmen first, and then we go to we go to Deborah. Yes, Carmen. You know, kindness is kind of a namby-pamby word. You know, we can, oh, be kind. But the reality is it takes a lot of character to be kind when someone is not kind to you. And so I have, um, I've sort of coined the phrase hard, hardcore kindness, because you really have to make an effort to be kind in situations where it's much easier to be cruel. 
we must make that effort. We need compassion and kindness and reaching out and understanding another person's story. And then we can come together. That's very, very important at this time. Deborah. Yes, if I may, I'd like to read from the back of my book, The Healing Power of Girlfriends. I actually talk a little bit about this exact point, and it really goes to the whole concept of we are really all one in the end. In working with a variety of women in my counseling practice for nearly 20 years, I can honestly conclude the following. Though we may be from different social, economic, ethnic, educational, and religious backgrounds, we all share a common thread as women. This common thread knows no color, no ethnicity, no economic or religious status. As women, we all are wired exactly the same to need fellowship with each other. Some of us may need lots of friends and others may prefer only a few close girlfriends. But what seems to link all of us is the biological need to gather and connect with each other. The imprint that is left on our hearts and our souls from these female friendships is penetrating, life-changing, and lasting. We women find the best version of ourselves when we share in female friendships. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I'm just going to bring Mateen to our studio. Thank you so much with Mateen, with everyone. Yeah. Thank you so much for um, being engaged in this conversation. Thank you for a good discussion.